Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. From The Recount, I'm Rena Ninen, and you're listening to The Recount Daily Pod. There's always some mismatch in labor markets where there's jobs in one town or one industry, and there aren't enough workers in that town or that industry. What's unusual right now is the scale of it. That's Harvard professor Jason Furman talking about the current labor shortage impacting labor markets across the U.S., from manufacturing to leisure and entertainment. Why are employers having such a hard time finding workers? We'll get into that a little bit later in the show, but first, your morning headlines. Today is Monday, July 12th. Europe is seeing a 33% increase in new COVID cases. The Netherlands has an 800% increase, with Greece and Spain showing similar numbers. In the U.S., 42 states also saw an increase in COVID over the past seven days as the Delta variant surges. Currently, only 48 percent of all Americans are fully vaccinated. Turning now to the West Coast, while it's just the start of California's fire season, the number of wildfires is already outpacing the record-breaking 2020 season. The past 12 months have been the state's driest on record. The recent heat wave has made conditions much worse for wildfires. To date, California has seen more than 4,500 wildfires so far this year, compared with 3,800 during the same period in 2020. Hundreds of Cubans took to the streets in protests in cities across the country on Sunday. The Cubans were chanting, No tenemos miedo, we are not afraid. The uprising was in response to food and medicine shortages in a remarkable show of discontent, not seen since the summer of 1994, when Cubans protested communism, igniting a wave of migration as Cubans left the country by sea. Cuba today faces a dire economic crisis as the ongoing pandemic continues to hamper the return of tourism dollars, a vital sector of the economy. This is the biggest test for the post-Castro government. Former President Donald Trump won the CPAC straw poll for 2024 presidential Republican candidate. 
His 90-minute rallying speech closed out the America Uncanceled conference in Dallas on Sunday. It featured his now routine but still false claims of election fraud. He also attacked former DOJ head Bill Barr, saying he did the country a massive disservice for not going after Democrats who tried to impeach him. It was a big weekend in sports. First in tennis, Novak Djokovic of Serbia beat Matteo Berrettini of Italy in the Wimbledon men's tennis final, bringing Djokovic to a record-tying 20 Grand Slam single titles. This game marks Djokovic's third straight championship win after winning the 2018 and 2019 games. The 2020 games were canceled due to the pandemic. And an upset victory, Italy beating England in a stunning 3-2 finish to the 2020 European Football Championship. The game was decided by a penalty shootout, which hasn't happened in the Euro Series final since 1976. This marks Italy's second Euro Championship title. The last one was won in 1968. And now to our daily deep dive. While there's little agreement about the why, there's almost universal agreement that we're facing a significant labor shortage in the U.S. What's to blame? And more importantly, how do we fix it? Here to help us make sense is Harvard professor and former Obama economic advisor, Jason Furman. Hey, Jason, welcome. Thanks for having me. You bet. So when you look at this, Democrats are saying that it's child care, schools being shut, that's leading to this labor shortage, the fear of COVID. Republicans are saying it's the $300 unemployment aid. Who's right on this? First of all, let's just start by trying to understand why we think it is a labor shortage, uh, which is quite unusual. Normally, when the unemployment rate is elevated, like it is now, it's because there aren't enough jobs. In 2010, 11, 12, 13, the unemployment rate was really high, and there just weren't jobs around. You look, there'd be three, four, five unemployed workers for every job opening. Right now, it's a very different situation. There's actually more job openings than there are unemployed workers. You see the fact that labor demand is very high by the fact that wages are rising really quickly. And participation in the workforce hasn't risen that much since last summer when it was quite depressed by the pandemic. So, you know, it's a very unusual labor market right now where you don't have a lot of jobs, but it seems more because people don't want them than that employers aren't hiring. So, Jason, what's causing this labor shortage in America right now? My answer is everything. Everything that is on everyone's list is true. Um, We can then go back and debate the relative magnitudes of them. And it's important to also understand they interact. So the most important is the pandemic. There are still a lot of workers who are concerned about their safety on the job. They're reluctant to head back. Some workers have had a stressful year and want to take some time to think about a new career or how to adjust to the labor market. But you can't separate those from the fact that people have gotten checks. Family of four got about $10,000 and unemployment insurance, an amount that's about more than $15 an hour of unemployment insurance. Those have enabled people to have more say over changing jobs, bargaining for a higher wage, taking their COVID concerns seriously. So I think unemployment insurance certainly has had an effect. I think COVID has also had an effect. 
I mean, we're looking at the fast food industry struggling to get workers in. One Pennsylvania Burger King put up a sign saying they'll give anybody a $1,500 bonus if they join the company. Chipotle has said they're going to offer $15 an hour. Dunkin' Donuts saying they're offering health care benefits. You've got flexible schedules. You've got more money coming in for these folks who, who will join. Is this enough to get people back into the restaurant industry? So far, it's helped. We've seen more rapid job growth in leisure and hospitality than any other sector, but we're still way short. Places are still understaffed. You go to a restaurant now, it's probably taking you a bit more time to get your food because they don't have as many people in front or, or possibly in back in the kitchen. It so far hasn't been enough, but the unemployment insurance expires on September 6th. After that date, you know, children are back in school. Hopefully life is going to be more normal. We don't know what's going to happen with the Delta and other future variants. And so I think this problem will solve itself, but it will take not just higher wages, but more time, especially. So we're seeing right now more job openings ever since 2000. It's likely going to get worse. We've got the infrastructure plan expected to create millions of new jobs in construction in tech as well. Who's going to fill these jobs? That's a great question. And supply and demand usually is what sorts that out. So if you, a lot of employers want to hire people and there aren't a lot of people, wages rise and that attracts people to that sector. I'd really distinguish between things like President Biden's plans for infrastructure, which are spread out over a decade and injecting a huge amount of money in the economy in a single year, which is what we're going through right now. Um, If you're doing something slowly over a decade, it's really easy generally for labor markets to adjust and wages can send the right signals to make sure that happens. It's just not something that can happen in a few months. And that's what we're trying to do right now. Is this labor shortage, Jason, something new, or is it a longstanding problem that we're just sort of kind of focusing on all of a sudden? There's always some mismatch in labor markets where there's jobs in one town or one industry, and there aren't enough workers in that town or that industry. What's unusual right now is the scale of it. The openings rate is the highest we've ever seen. You can tell workers are confident about the economy because they're quitting at a record rate. People don't quit their jobs if they're worried about finding the next job. You only quit when labor markets are in decent shape. So quits are at record rates, openings are at record rates. So you know this, isn't, uh, this is something that's very unusual um, at the current moment. You wrote in a recent article, you said this, that when jobs are plentiful, workers tend to have more confidence to quit their jobs to find better ones. And you're you're talking about the record almost over 9 million job openings back in April that the Labor Department has cited. What do you think this means for the labor market? What it means is that there's more potential for faster job growth going forward. What's been unusual in the labor market is normally more than one out of four unemployed workers each month take a job. Lately, it's been less than that. We would have thought it would even be higher than normal, given all of the job openings. As things start to normalize around unemployment insurance, around COVID and the like, the fraction of unemployed people each month taking a job will probably go up. 
And when it goes up, that means there's no reason we can't have well more than 750,000 jobs a month added. So I would look at that huge number of job openings and say it's a little bit of a vexing problem right now, but it also shows how much potential we have for faster job growth over the next, say, six months. From August of last fall of 2020 to January 2021, apparently more than a million baby boomers, older workers, exited the workforce. Do you think that the baby boomer retirement has affected the job market? It definitely has. You see a larger percentage reduction of employment among older Americans than almost any other group. And it's just a huge question mark as to whether these people will come back or not. You can think of it as right now we're about 9 million jobs short of where we should be. Something like 6 million of the 9 million should be relatively easy and relatively fast to get back. It'll take six months or something. The last 3 million is a really big question mark. Did those people leave the workforce and the economy forever? Or as jobs get more attractive, will they come back? We have no idea. We've got to take a quick break. We'll be back with economist Jason Furman. You're listening to The Recount Daily Pod. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, temp to hire, part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. 
Welcome back to the Recount Daily Pod, a podcast with the Recount and iHeartRadio. We're joined by economist Jason Furman, a professor of practice at Harvard University. As you look at the current labor shortage and employment in America, what surprises you about our current situation? A lot of people said, oh my gosh, in the middle of the pandemic, the economy is going to tank, people are going to be unemployed, the unemployment rate's going to go through the roof. Are you surprised about where we are as a nation economically at this point? Yeah, we're in much less bad shape than I thought we'd be. I think that's because we had a much larger policy response than I expected us to have. Unemployment was much higher than this a year or two or even three after the financial crisis. State and localities were cutting their budgets for years um, after the financial crisis. So far, we're on pace for a much better outcome this time around. And that's partly because this crisis was caused by what an economist would call a supply shock. COVID came and it's being solved by a positive supply shock, the vaccinations. And then you add to that all the money that people have gotten recovery like faster than anything we've ever seen before. Do you think, knowing that we've got this labor shortage, that the right government policy at this time is to pull back away from these unemployment benefits that you see Republicans saying people are getting all this stimulus that they don't want to get off their rear ends and go work? My view has always been that I supported triggers, which was when your unemployment rate is high, you get extra unemployment benefits. When your unemployment rate is low, those go away because it's easy to find jobs. For low unemployment states, it makes sense for them to be ending the $300 a week supplement. For high unemployment states, they should probably keep it. And for the country as a whole, ending it on September 6th, as the legislation does, I think makes sense. Now, I would take people who are on unemployment insurance, millions of them would get thrown off abruptly in September. So I grandfather people onto the program. If you're on it because of the pandemic, you get to stay on it somewhat longer. So I wouldn't make this a really hard cliff on September 6th. But definitely by then, we should be reducing benefits because there are jobs out there. People need to be getting into those jobs. I know you don't have a crystal ball. But I do know you've served in two administrations, Obama and the Clinton administration, and your job was to sort of make predictions and help create policy. When you look at where we are right now, what's your biggest worry for the U.S. economy? My biggest worry for the economy is the one we were discussing, that millions of workers won't come back to the labor market. My second biggest worry is we have seen a lot of inflation. I think that's probably going to be okay, but it creates a risk that the Federal Reserve is going to have to do something pretty dramatic to curtail that inflation. And if they do, that could have consequences for the economy. Neither of those are predictions, crystal ball predictions, by the way. Both of those are risks that policymakers should be seeking to manage. A lot of people are talking about inflation concerns. Can you explain that in layman's terms? When people worry about inflation, what are you watching that could indicate that's where we're headed? Yeah. So in the last couple months, prices have risen at an 8% annual rate. We've seen huge increases, especially in certain areas like used cars, 
and even new cars as well. So when you go out to buy things, you're spending more today than you were spending a couple months ago. A lot of that inflation is transitory. We're not going to continue to see used car prices spiking. That happened because of a weird set of things, because microchips weren't available and rental car companies dumped their cars last year and tried to buy cars again this year. So a lot of that inflation is transitory. But the big question that no one knows the answer to is when inflation slows from its 8% rate, is it going to slow to 2%, which is what it was before? Or is it going to slow to something more like 4%? At 4% inflation, the Fed would really take notice. They'd probably feel they needed to act. And a lot of people would see their paychecks being eroded by that magnitude of price increases. Mm -hmm. When you talk about inflation, and if we do see inflation coming down the road in the next couple of years, how does it affect the average American? It depends for the average American on what happens to their wages. If your wages go up by 6% and the cost of everything you buy goes up by 3%, that's perfectly fine. You just got a decent sized raise in terms of your purchasing power. You know, what you worry about is your wages go up by 3% and the cost of everything in the grocery store, your gasoline, your rent and everything else goes up by 4%. Um, in that case, you're going to have you know, a harder and harder time making ends meet. And so that's the big question to me is not how fast is price inflation, but what's the difference between the raises people are getting, wage increases, and those price increases. I want to ask you a little bit about the economics of this country and women and work and childcare. For so long, childcare was sort of looked at as a woman's issue. It didn't really... Uh, concern economists as much as it does now. I think there's an awareness of that. When you look at women and childcare, what concerns you most about this economy? Yeah, I was concerned about the childcare issue in 2019 before the pandemic. And if COVID mostly or entirely goes away in the United States, I'll still be concerned about it. Um, childcare costs in the United States are among the highest of the advanced economies. The rules around paid leave are among the least of any country around. We don't have universal preschool in the United States. And all of these combine to give both worse outcomes for children and also make it harder for their parents and much more often mothers than fathers be able to work if they choose to work. Jason, you were an economic advisor for President Obama. It was not an easy economic period during his administration. What do you remember about that time? Was there a moment when you were most concerned about the economy and you felt you might not have been sure that the economy would pull itself out? I was most concerned pretty much every day from January 20th, 2009 through January 20th, 2017. Um, it was terrifying at first during the financial crisis. We hadn't been in anything like that for nearly a century. And you know, it just felt like the floor was falling out from under us. We then started making steady progress. But at every point, something was happening. The Eurozone crisis, a crisis in China, a manufacturing slowdown in the United States. And every one of those, I was terrified, was going to derail the economic recovery. Fortunately, none of them did. 
So do you think the criticism is fair that the Obama administration just didn't do enough? There wasn't enough of a big stimulus during the midst of the financial crisis that more really needed to be done? Absolutely. President Obama himself proposed more at almost every stage than what Congress passed. He proposed a larger Recovery Act. He proposed larger follow through. We were able to get some of that through Congress. We didn't get all of that through Congress. And if you grade us on a curve compared to other countries, we did a lot better than other countries coming out of the financial crisis. Grade us on a curve compared to the U.S. in the past. We did much, much better than, say, the Great Depression. But I think we could have done even better if we had um, done more. And I'd like to argue that we tried to do more and the problems were more political than with the intention. So, Jason, looking ahead, we're in the middle of July right now. What are you most concerned about? What are you watching when it comes to the U.S. economy and the global economy? The most important thing continues to be the virus, especially for the global economy, with most countries in the world substantially less vaccinated than um, the United States. The vaccines are very protective against the Delta variant, but not everyone's vaccinated, and there may be more variants. So I don't think we should act as if the pandemic is completely over. The second thing I'm looking at is the pace of job growth. And can we maintain something like the pace of job growth that we had in June when 850,000 jobs were added? That would be a great pace of job growth to continue. And the third thing I'm looking at is inflation and trying to figure out just how much of the inflation we've seen is permanent versus transitory. For the average American, Jason, who isn't in the weeds of the U.S. economy the way you are, what would you say to them as they're trying to grapple and understand this point in America? I tell them that no one fully understands this point in America. (laughs) Uh, We've never been through something as big as this in terms of the pandemic something as big as this in terms of the policy response. The numbers you see in the news, if you know, insofar as you see them, they're going to bounce around a lot over the next couple months. And the main cure for the problems in the U.S. economy is a certain amount of patience and waiting for things to sort themselves together. That's, I think, the most important message to have about the economy right now. We are recovering. We're moving in the right direction. But there's going to be a lot of bounces and wiggles along the way. Thank you very, very much, Jason Furman, joining us from Harvard. This has been a great conversation. And now to the look ahead. Here's what else we're watching today. President Joe Biden will meet with the attorney general, law enforcement and local leaders to discuss his plan to reduce gun crime. 2021 is currently on track to be the deadliest year of gun violence in two decades. According to the Gun Violence Archive, there have been more than 10,000 gun violence deaths so far this year, compared to over 19,000 in all of 2020. Vice President Kamala Harris heads to Michigan today as part of the We Can Do This tour, focusing on getting people vaccinated. The trip was originally scheduled for June, but postponed due to major flooding in the area. While the main focus will be on vaccinations, the vice president will also talk about voting rights. Back in June, President Biden put the vice president in charge of leading the administration's efforts for voting rights. Pfizer is meeting with Dr. Anthony Fauci and the CDC to present unpublished data on the need for booster shots for the elderly and those most vulnerable to COVID. 
The 18th annual Games for Change Festival starts today. The event promotes social impact through video games. Some of the game's highlights include Before I Forget, a narrated exploration game about a woman dealing with dementia. Harmony Square is a game about spreading disinformation to a democracy-obsessed town. And Lost Words, Beyond the Page, is a game about a young girl who uses writing to deal with her grief. And finally, tonight offers an opportunity to see Mars and Venus in what's called a planetary conjunction. That's when two or more planets appear really close together in the sky. NASA says the two planets will appear as if they're separated by, quote, only a finger's width apart. The best chance of seeing the phenomenon in the U.S. will be tonight and tomorrow night, about 45 minutes after sunset, when the two planets will be approximately 33 degrees apart. Thanks for joining us. I'll see you back tomorrow. This is the Recount Daily Pod, a podcast from Recount and iHeartRadio. Our thanks to Jason Furman for being on the show. And if you like this episode, please subscribe to the Recount Daily Pod and leave us a rating on the Apple Podcast app. I'm your host, Rena Ninen. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.